Greetings, my dearest friends and colleagues of the Chinese Language Division at the American Translators Association. Welcome to another great episode of our Division Podcast. If you remember, our last episode was about money, and we're going to continue talking about money in this episode as well. If you work as a freelance translator, one of the risks is non-paying clients. Of course, we all know it's always the safest to have the clients pay up front, or at least pay a portion of the translation fees, especially the clients are new. But sometimes that is much easier said than done for various reasons. Quite often, freelance translators find themselves having to wait for their payment after the job is completed and delivered. But what if the client doesn't pay? What leverages would you have against them to make them pay? At what amount do you decide to write it off and just let it go? Will you or should you let it go at all? I'm sure all of these questions are all too familiar, but the answers may not be. Luckily, although this episode isn't going to solve all your payment headaches, it could put some useful tools in your toolbox to help you hear that crisp kaching sound. Sounds fantastic, right? Stay tuned, and here it comes. Hi, Corin. Thank you Hi, so、Jessie. much. For making the time to be on our episode of this ATA Chinese Language Division podcast, I know you're extremely busy. So when I sent out that invite, asking you to be able to join us, and when you said yes, I was really, really happy. So thank you once again for making the time to do so. I was flattered to be asked, and I'm excited to talk to you today. So thanks for the invite. Oh, you're too kind, Corin. So before we dive into it, I just wanted to first thank you for the amazing work you did with the book "How to Succeed as a Freelance Translator," the book that honestly every translator and interpreter should read, in my opinion, if they haven't already. <laughs> I mean, this book had been sitting on my to-read list forever. I just never really sat down to read it from the beginning to the end. Because you know, I'm thinking I'm not exactly in the starting phase of my career. This is a great book.、Um, I just never really felt the urgency to do so. But what really changed it for me was when this book came out in the audiobook format. Andy did an excellent job reading it, and I even told you this, Karen. Your great ideas and Andy's reading it really made the LA rush hour traffic feel like a breeze for me,、uh, because that's when I listened to it. In a few hours, I got to the end and I wanted more. Frankly, before I listened to it, I didn't really have any expectation, but I learned so much from your well-organized insights and ideas and invaluable advice. One thing I must tell you, Karen, is that. Because I read slash listened to your book, I was able to collect on a three-month past due invoice, and the amount was three thousand dollars. I was really、go. frustrated. I didn't know what、mm -hmm. to do. But when I listened to the tips and the tricks that you shared in the book, and I implemented that, and I was able to successfully collect on those invoices. So that's really where this idea of having you on the podcast with us today came from,、uh, so that we are able to discuss some 
effective and tried and true collection strategies uh, that we can use when that uh, moment comes, when we have done our best, um, staying up late at night to meet the deadlines of our clients, and sometimes even bend over backwards to make sure that they're happy with our service. And then that's it, absolutely it. No payment, not even a response, not even a peep, nada. Definitely. So yeah, I would say, first of all, Jesse, congratulations on your open-mindedness for listening to a book that is sort of more aimed at beginner translators and feeling that you could get something out of it. Because I feel like I've been a freelancer for 20 years, and I feel like that mindset is really important, that even when it's a resource that you think of as being for people just starting out, there's always something more to learn (laughs) or something about a specific topic that you think, like for you, oh my gosh, I have an overdue invoice um, that I was sort of thinking, maybe I should just drop it, but now here's some new ideas of ways that I could collect. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So first question, Corinne, can you share with us one or two bad experiences that you have had with non-paying clients? Maybe our listeners could identify some similar patterns there? Sure. So I have one from the past and I have a recent one. (laughs) So I will tell you the one from the past was an individual client who needed personal documents translated, but a pretty big project. And then basically just dropped off the face of the earth and never paid me. At that time, I was not requiring individuals to pay in advance. And I tried everything I could think of. I called and emailed multiple times, no response. I even sent a certified letter and the person refused to sign for it. Just said, you know, there's no one here by that name, (laughs) which was false. (laughs) And so the takeaway from that is, I think a lot of freelancers are overly phobic about working with individual clients because there is good money to be made and your services are really needed working with individual but make them pay in advance before you do the work. So, you know, obviously with interpreting, you do the work live, so that's not that big of an issue. But with translation, I feel like there is actually a lot of money to be made and your services are very needed doing personal documents for individuals. But the whole key is you set up an invoicing system where they pay preferably by credit card so that you have the money Mm -hmm. before you do the translation. Right. So that's my example from years ago. I have a more recent one. So this was a direct client in France that I had worked for for many, many years with no payment problems. And all of a sudden I did similar size job to you. It was like 3000 euros. So not an amount I was going to let go without a fight. Right. And um, so they just inexplicably didn't pay. And then I think one big red flag you want to watch out for is when the excuses start. Accountant was on vacation. (laughs) Oh, could you send us your banking information again? Well, you've been wiring me money for eight years. (laughs) (laughs) I would think I would be in your system. And then finally, when I realized, and the crazy thing is, I won't say too many details, but this was an established client. This was not a client that I had sort of bankruptcy fears about. Right. Um, But then when I realized, oh my gosh, they are actually trying not to pay me was when they said, oh, we sent the wire transfer. You didn't get it. Maybe you should check with your bank. And I thought, that's not a thing. (laughs) 
<laughs> right. But the whole point of electronic payments is I'm set up in your system. And when you send the money, I have it within a day, one to two, maximum two business days. That's right. So then I thought, okay, um, I have to get serious here because they're actually trying not to pay me. So do you want me to go in now into the techniques I used or just give the example? Oh, yes, please, because that's my next question, which is also the juicy bit of this episode. Um, what did you do to finally collect on these invoices then? Yeah, so I feel like when you have a client that is very obviously trying not to pay you, you have to do some things that you wish you didn't have to do. <laughs> so for example, I know one of the things that you said you heard in my book was that with agencies, you can threaten to contact the end client if you can figure out who they are, which a lot of the time you can, right? Um, either in the document itself or in the document properties or things like that, and threaten to tell the end client that their use of the translation may be a violation of copyright law because you were never paid for the right. translation. Right. I mean, I, I hate having to do that, but I feel like sometimes when the client is clearly just trying to not pay you, sometimes you have to. So here's what I did. First, I sent a strongly worded email to my contact person. It is incorrect <laughs> that you sent a wire transfer. I have no evidence of that. And if this is not resolved in a timely manner, I'm going to take additional action, which may include having a French intellectual property law firm contact you to discuss possible resolutions. Now, right. by the way, that was completely faked, which I also think is okay. So I just want to put it out there that I actually think it's completely fine to threaten something that you have no idea how you're going to put it into practice. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's totally fine. Right. Because I thought I could figure that out. You know what I mean? I could ask people in the ATA French language division to refer me. I'm sure that some of them, some of them are probably married to French lawyers. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. Yes, Corinne. That's the part that did the trick for me, the intellectual property law part. And I want to share Great. a bit more with Great. you on that because <laughs> it was such an excellent idea. It was the aha moment for me. So the client that owed me $3,000 is this law firm that I provided translation service to. They weren't responding to any of my emails. And when I called to speak with them, their answer to me was that they were waiting for their client to pay them before they could pay me. They never said they were not going to pay, but it just sounded like they were putting me on the bottom of the pile. And unless I press where it hurt, I wasn't going to get paid anytime soon. So my last email to them reads like something along the line of, I wish to still resolve this past two invoice matter amicably. However, in the spirit of being perfectly transparent, if I find out that you have used my translation in any way before paying me for it, I will mm -hmm. possibly pursue legal action against you on copyright infringement. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. in that moment, I had zero idea what to do, who to speak to in but order that's to totally pursue okay. that. that is so <laughs> that's totally okay. That is so totally okay. <laughs> yes. Because I think that, first of all, people realize, whoa, this is serious. This person is not going to drop this without a fight. Second, I think, if you say something like, actions on my part may include that you can completely put things that you could do, you just don't really know how you're going to do it. <laughs> That's right. And I think once the client has outright lied to you, mm -hmm. it's hardball. 
that's right. <laughs> you know, that, I, that right. I actually think like, I don't jump straight to threatening legal action. I really only do that if there's no other recourse. But I think that many of us have gotten to situations with pretty large invoices where the client has outright lied to you. We mailed mm -hmm. the check, we sent the wire transfer, right. um, you know, things like that. And then I think, okay, like game on. <laughs> <You know. laughs> Absolutely. It's easier to be a lot less nice to them once they start lying and playing games. But I also think that at least in the U.S. and I think also in Western Europe, that any sort of companies, any type of client is really going to want to avoid any sort of public shaming tactic like companies right. in the US are pretty reputation conscious and so i think just like you could say to an agency actions on my part may include posting a review of this experience on payment practices mm -hmm. and you just leave it at that and they know what you mean yeah <laughs> okay um That's you know good, telling yeah. everybody i know not to work with you um that you could if you wanted to put that same thought out there to a direct client, like actions on my part may include posting reports of this experience online. Yes. Um, you know, and I think you have to sort of be willing to really do that. But I think I would definitely try those two things. And I just think it is, it is always worth threatening them with legal action because that's pretty easy to do. Right, you know what I right. mean? I think, yes. you know, you could certainly hire a law firm to do that for you, but most of us have people in our professional networks who are lawyers who would make a strongly worded phone call for us for something that would be in a freelancer's budget. And I think one other thing that I would point out is a lot of people think, well, if I have a payment issue with a direct client, I'll just use a collection agency. Mm -hmm. And you could, <laughs> but I feel like the reason that it is always worth trying these kinds of, you know, hardball assertive techniques on your own is in my experience, first of all, the collection agency will try to settle it for less than what the client owes you. Mm -hmm. And then generally you get half of that. Mm -hmm. So in, let's say with your experience and my experience where we were owed, you know, 3000 euros or dollars, like, mm -hmm. I don't know exactly, but I think that a collection agency would call that client and say, look, could we settle this right now? Could you put $2,000 on a credit card? And just be done with it. Like, mm -hmm. you know, do you have do you have a credit card that has two thousand dollars of credit on it? And we could just get this over right this red hot second. Right. So then you end up with a thousand dollars. And for me, I feel like it's worth sending a couple of strongly worded emails and doing something like threatening them with legal action or some sort of online reputation review, report them to the Better Business Bureau. I mean, whatever you can think of before you do that, because you are not going to get anywhere near the full amount if you go through a collection agency. So I just wanted to put that out there because I feel like some people think, oh, easy solution. The mm. collection agency is not going to charge you 50 bucks <laughs> right, to, yeah. go, to go recoup $3,000 for you. They're going to charge you more like half of what they collect, which is in all likelihood not going to be the full amount because if the client would willingly pay the full amount, they would have paid you already. That's you know? right. That's right. So, yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. Now, Let's put all these parts together for our listeners. Say we have a colleague who is dealing with this frustrating situation where the client either does not want to pay at all or has been dragging their feet or dodging the collection efforts. What would you suggest this colleague do? The progressive steps to take from the least to the most assertive. Okay. I think you always want to start out 
cordially. I usually give the client two weeks. I mean, it sort of depends on your financial situation, but I feel like one advantage of having a decent cash cushion for your business is that you're not sort of pouncing on a client whose payment is like four hours late, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I usually give them two weeks. One thing I will say too, I just switched to QuickBooks online this year. Mm -hmm. And when you have those clients who like they always pay, but they perpetually pay late. One thing you might take advantage of is the automated reminders in your accounting software if they exist. So it'll tell the client the payment is coming up in two weeks, the payment is coming up in one week, the payment is due today. And I feel like for those clients that are just slugs, that that could help that you think, you know, they always pay, but I'm so sick of reminding them, yeah. um, start it up front and have the automated reminders go out. So I usually wait two weeks and I just say, hi, in going over my accounting records, I noticed that invoice 632 for 1007 $782 mm -hmm. was due for payment on April 1st. And according to my records, I haven't received your payment yet. Could you let me know the status when you have a second? And, you know, best case scenario is that the client says, oh my gosh, you know, we forgot or accountant was on vacation. And it's actually true. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, sometimes, sometimes that is true right. with small companies. So I start with that. Okay, a rather low level email on the alarm spectrum. Then I think if I don't get a response or if I get an excuse in about another two weeks, then I start escalating things. As you know, <laughs> this invoice was due for payment on April 1st. And despite a reminder on my part, I still haven't received your payment. Could you let me know the date on which the payment will be made? Mm -hmm. So at that point, I start telling them, like, you basically have to tell me what's going on. Can you let right. me know the date on which the payment will be made? And then I think to me, exactly like you said, the sort of tipping point is like three months. Yeah. When you have something that has gone three months overdue, I think most clients, whatever their reason is for not paying you, are not going to pay without a fight at that point. Mm -hmm. And so that if you don't get a satisfactory response to, could you let me know the date on which the payment will be made and they still don't pay is when I think you want to think, can I escalate this to a senior person in the company who may not know that this is happening? Mm -hmm. Can I threaten them with legal action or can I threaten them with some sort of reputation thing? Right. <laughs> you right. know, are they a member of an association I could report them to? Are they a member of the Better Business Bureau? Could I post a negative Google review and say, you know, I did a three-day interpreting job for me and they never paid me? Right. You know, all of those things. And then I feel like threatening legal action, it feels weird, like next you'll be hearing from my lawyer. But believe <laughs> me, like this is how the business world works. Yes. That you just say, if I don't receive a satisfactory response, the next contact will be from an attorney right. um, who will be discussing a satisfactory resolution. And the thing is, like, you're not giving specifics. You don't have to know at that point what you would do. But believe me, there's lots of ways to do that. And I think by using a lawyer, you have a bigger chance that they will pay the full amount. Right, which right. with a collection agency, you don't. And so that's why I sort of prefer the legal action route is because I feel like with a big invoice, the chance that they will pay the full amount is higher and that you don't really want to let go of 50% of an invoice for $3,000, $5,000, $10,000. That's a huge hit. Mm -hmm. That's right. <laughs> so, that's right. Yeah. And speaking of public shaming, I used that tactic as well in my collection efforts against the law firm that had the past due invoice. 
So in addition to the copyright infringement lawsuit threat, I stated in the last email to them that I am a member of the American Translators Association as a professional courtesy to thousands of my peers and colleagues within the association who are qualified to perform legal translation. I might share with them my unpleasant experience doing business with your law firm. Oh, I so love it. <laughs> and I think mm -hmm. for anyone who's listening to us talk about these and thinks like, oh my gosh, I could never do that. I think one way to motivate yourself to get assertive with clients is to think they stole from you. That's right. <laughs> they, I mean, really in the end, they stole from you. I mean, they stole a service, not a product. They didn't come to your house and take your car away with a tow truck or something like that. But really they stole from you. Now, does that make you more willing to say like, they are going to pay me <laughs> no matter what, I am not letting this go. <laughs> it is a great point that you just brought up, Corinne. I myself hesitated quite a bit, and I was almost not going to do anything until I listened to your book. The thoughts that were holding me back were, number one, after months had passed and I had gotten other paying jobs, the financial pain had become dull. And when something doesn't hurt as much, it's much easier to just gloss over that. And uh, number two, I wanted to avoid the confrontational situation. Plus, I was busy with other things. I started to justify why it would be okay to not go after them for the past due invoice. I am inclined to think that I am not alone in having these thoughts. But the truth is, and from our discussion of your experiences and mine, that Every unpaying situation is the same in that the clients whom we diligently provided service to completely disrespected our efforts and work and us not taking actions is what they count on to get away with disrespecting us as professionals. However, these unpaying clients, I think, are also very different in what they are vulnerable to. Some are more responsive to the threat of legal actions. Some just need a nudge to their higher up in the chain of command. Some will pay immediately at the threat of being publicly shamed. Or there are those who don't want the bad words to eventually get to the ears of their clients. The point is, Yes, sure, be pragmatic and don't keep beating the dead horse, but also don't stop beating until the horse is for sure dead. I think you just have to keep experimenting with different things and strategies until you find a weak spot and boom, you'll realize that horse is very much alive and writing checks. Exactly, perfect. Corinne, I am buying you two drinks in Miami at the next ATA conference. That's a lot more affordable than what a collection agency would charge me on the $3,000 invoice. <laughs> Fantastic. I look forward to it. I'll see you in Miami. All right, people, you've heard it. If you have outstanding invoices, get busy with these strategies and you might just make it rain and ka-ching, ka-ching left and right. Good luck. And until next time.